After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. Special three-person uh, podcast here today. J.J. Cooper, Josh Norris, Vince Lara. We're going to talk minor league player of the year. Um, pretty Pretty interesting debate. Pretty easy debate this year, actually. Uh, I don't think debate is the word. It's more of a okay, consensus this is the, this, agreement. This is the guy. <laughs> the end. It's like voting is water wet. But uh, but before we do that, I do want to remind you that the uh, Baseball America 2014 books are on sale. You can get all of the the 2014 Prospect Handbook, the 2014 Almanac, all the books that documented last season on sale because we know it's during the season right now. So you can get them at 40 percent off. If you go to visit baseballamerica.com slash store. Also do want to remind you, and I'm going to let Josh Bear Norris take this because he's very fired up about this. Go to Facebook. You can be part of our Great Parks uh, calendar, Battle of the Ballparks. We got we got some good ba- good battles going on. Uh, we just had one that ended, where, or three that ended, really. Um, South Carolina looks like it beat LSU's Alex Rallied Bo- to yeah, beat mm-hmm. Alex Box Stadium. Um, At St. Burtman Field. St. Saint ba- Paul Saints beat... Someone, and <laughs> I think the El Paso Chihuahuas. You, you also. can see he prepared <laughs> extensively for this uh, promo. Look, they're the losers. History never remembers the losers. <laughs> but we think we've got three good matchups this week, and there's one near and dear to my heart, which I've already voted for. If, if, if you want to vote for Canada, you can vote for the Vancouver Canadians. <laughs> but if you want to vote for America, a good chunk of America, you vote for Eugene's PK Park. I am in no way biased. Also, there are other two two other matchups. So, so yes, right, <laughs> unnamed. Yeah, <laughs> there's only that, one that matters. This that is like, slipped you Josh's could, uh, memory. <laughs> you could. Did you, you could, vote in the other ones or uh, just in yours? Uh, you actually called me in here right before I was going to vote in the other ones. So, okay. <laughs> so I will vote on the other ones. But I, oh, one of them is Charlotte versus Durham, which I don't know. Uh, that's a, Charlotte's a really nice park. Right. Durham's a really cool park that is right here. I feel. Betraying Durham, even though it's five you live in Durham from five minutes from the office, and there is one other, but that's like voting for Perot. You know? <laughs> your vote. Um, no, but it is the Battle of the Ballparks. We are having voting. We'll determine which parks get into our Great Parks calendar uh, for next year. So there is a payoff to this, and, and we do think if you go to Facebook.com/slash/BaseballAmerica, you will uh, you'll see all the voting there, and you can. Register your votes, and I don't think there's ballot stuffing is allowed, though. I think no, you can vote once, once a day, day per race. Right. So, yeah. like, if I wanted to go vote for Charlotte, Eugene, and other team, <laughs> I could do that every day, once a day, until the poll closed, which is, what, the uh, 15th, I think? I don't know. I think it's the 9th through the 15th. But 
Those votes are actually more contentious than the vote we had for Minor League Player of the Year. Correct. The Minor League Player of the Year, if you are listening to this podcast but haven't gone to our site <laughs> or noticed all of the tweets that were you know, bouncing around the internet today, it's Chris Bryant, Cubs third baseman. And I think I've been part of this uh, the Player of the Year meeting for 11 of these or 12 of these now. And I can say... I, you know, you guys have been here a little less. I can say this was, they're not normally like this. Normally these are, let's get in a room, okay, and we're locking the door and we're not getting out till we have an answer. This was, so, is there anyone who doesn't think it's Chris Bryant? Actually, right. last year I thought it was fairly easy too. I was Buxton and then there was some shouts for Springer and some other guys, but that was whatever. This one was, we have our weekly budget meeting. And at the end, we're like, oh, we should probably meet to talk about player of the year. And I think someone stepped up and said, well, why don't we just say it right now? It's Bryant. Anybody else disagree? No, not really. Okay, meeting over. And the really, Vince, I mean, was there anyone else who you even considered? No. No, and I can, I can say that. But a month before that meeting, if you guys remember, you were both mm-hmm. in the meeting, we, we talked about Joey Gallo as a very real possibility. And I remember Matt Eddy. Give it to give credit to Matt Eddie for this. Said, why are we so casually giving it to to Joey Gallo? Back then, before Gallo sort of leveled off, got to Double A, and started striking out at a prodigious rate, forty percent of his at bats, and then it became that, apparent it was Chris. That's interesting because I, I the midseason I remember debating this on Twitter, and I really thought at midseason it was a two person race. Mm-hmm. Um, there were Cubs fans who were like. Clearly, this is the Chris Bryant, and there's no other question, is there? And at that point, that was really at the point where Bryant had had his monster first half in double A. Gallo had had his first monster first half in high A. And really, at that point, I felt like that it was a neck-and-neck race because both of them were battling for the home run crown. Both of them, their numbers were almost identical. You know, Bryant had a higher batting average. Gallo had a little bit better on base percentage. Gallo was at a level lower, but Gallo was also a year younger. I mean, there was all these counterpoints, point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint. But as you just said, in the second half, Bryant goes up to AAA and really produced at the same level at AAA as he did when he was in AA. Gallo went to AA and did not produce at the same level that he did when he was in high A. Still was productive. Still hitting home runs. Hit home runs and walked. Right. That was pretty much the extent of the Joey Gallo offensive contributions in, in Double A. Yeah, I think at one point he had struck out in half, almost half his at bats, and that leveled off to forty percent. Yeah, he he went Javier Baez level. Uh, <laughs> totally. he, got, he reached the the Baez level. Right. He he went full Cody Johnson, full Russ Brannion, <laughs> but right. uh, full Russ Brannion. Speaking of which, full Russ Brannion, cleanup hitter for Columbus, Columbus, Columbus Clippers, Clippers for yeah. some reason. <laughs> They, they, they wasn't a hired gun for the playoffs. They're really thinking about calling him up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, it, it was, you know, we, we had a question in the chat about this. You always have it, it pitchers versus hitters, and it becomes a little bit more interesting. As far as hitters, the other guys who were kind of considered, Joey Gallo we talked about, Jock, Jock Peterson, Peterson right. Mookie Betts, Mookie right. Betts right. Michael Taylor. Right. But... It did. It, I mean, the, again, it comes down to when you have the guy whose we prospect status plays a part in this for us. You can't Chris Colabello, as we said last year, great year. He's not winning the minor league player of the year award for us. Right. When you combine, arguably one of at least one of the best prospects in the game, 
who led the minors in home runs, slugging percentage, was top five in on-base percentage, and top 20 in batting average. And stole, like, 19 of 24 yeah. to boot. And plays a good third base. That was pretty easy. Yeah, that, that really wasn't much of a debate. It kind of is a, uh, an insult to the word debate. <laughs> <laughs> but pitcher-wise, mm -hmm. Daniel Norris, Tyler Glasnow seemed like the last two guys standing as far as pitchers. Vince did, I mean, if you had had to pick one of those two, yeah. if we did pitcher of the year, right. who would have you gone with? I mean, I guess I guess I would have gone with Norris only because of the of how quickly he moved. I mean, clearly, he was dominating at AAA. He started the year in Dunedin, and in Buffalo, he was he struck out thirteen batters in his second start. And he was he was truly impressive. You thought you were there. I was not. No, I had foolishly went to Richmond. Oh yeah, <laughs> I foolishly went to Richmond. John to try, was there to try to get guys that somehow got hurt the day before I got there and didn't play. Um, no, but if, if I was in the Glasnow or, or Norris camp, I'm saying to heck with both those guys. I'm voting Julio Urias. Uh -huh. That's my pitcher of the year. I, I don't. I know he got very few innings, but what he did in those very few innings as a 17-year-old in the California League is outstanding. And he blew my doors off at the Futures game, and I think he's he's the real, real, real deal. I mean, Plus, he's got a great Hollywood story. I mean, he's. Uh, no, no, Hollywood wouldn't write that story. Yeah, that wouldn't sell. It's beyond Hollywood, right? I mean, he's 17 that's, years old with that's something eye that cancer. If, yeah, that's something if you if you turned that script into Michael Eisner, you'd be back at Starbucks waiting <laughs> tables. <laughs> but if, if we can turn back to the to the Player of the Year mm -hmm. race for a second, so I just finished up the PCL Top 20, and as I wrote in the lead to that, spoiler even, alert. Right. Well, well, let's let's just say that without giving anything away. Right. That. That as good as Bryant was, it was no slam dunk even within the PCL because managers liked Jock Peterson so much. Right. So that's how, but that's a testament to how good the PCL was this year, and less about Chris Bryant not being the overwhelming POI choice. And that's the that's the the what I'm finding in the Eastern League too. I mean, you'd think it'd be Mookie Betts slam dunk, but Michael Taylor is getting reviews that are you know they're they're. Uh, Fan fiction basically coming from these <laughs> managers. There's, there, there's nothing he can't do. I mean, the names that he's getting comp to are you know you you find them in in the in, in halls of fame, and 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 people you shouldn't be comping players it to was, ever. And it was it was a monster year by Taylor this year in the Eastern League. I mean, Eastern League MVP if I remember correctly. No rookie no? of the year MVP was Stephen Moya. In Eastern League, yeah. Even though Moya spent, how much time did Moya even spend there? The whole year. Oh Moya, sorry. I'm thinking. I'm sorry. That was dumb of me. I'm thinking of uh, the Nationals. Uh, uh, Steven Souza. Yes. No, yeah. Steven Souza got no votes in these. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, but no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Moya. No, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, it is funny to me that I, to me, if I'd have voted that Michael Taylor. Yes, the, the whole Michael Taylor. Bet, I, I, you were talking about a, 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 a very a plus defender in center. Yeah. I, I, as I, I told you. If you had told me in January that I'd be writing about a five-tool center fielder as the number one prospect in the Eastern League, I would have said, oh, so it's going to be Buxton, right? Mm -hmm. Nope. It, it might be Michael Taylor, but it might be Mookie Betts. We'll see. Um, it's an it, interesting debate. It's a, it's a coin flip. Um, I'm on one side that I won't spoil because you, know, you buy the magazine, but <laughs> come to the chat, <laughs> buy the subscription. <laughs> but uh, it, it, but it, the league is stocked. I've got 32 guys for 20 spots, and you know I'm going to get yelled at for leaving 12 of those guys out. But chatters and fans of whichever team. I'm yelling at you in advance. You left so you're so and so out. Right. You're, you're going to. Go okay. I, I do the Saturday League and Midwest League list, same way. It's like 
So you know, so you don't like this guy? It's not I don't like him. There's 20 spots. Right. If we gave one spot to each team, which we don't, but if we did, most teams would get one guy. If I did one spot for each team, there's two teams I can think of that I would be picking a guy that I don't think is a prospect. I'd be forcing him. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's true too. Is that it doesn't talent is not distributed equally. No, in any way, shape, or form. No, there's going to be a couple teams. I think, I think eleven, ten to eleven players in those lists might come from two clubs. Same, uh, same thing happened with the PCL. I, I asked one of the managers. So, is there anybody else on your team you want to mention? He goes, "Nope, I think you covered it." And that was after two guys, <laughs> <laughs> one of whom I thought was a real stretch. So, I mean, the, yeah, and the PCL is sixteen teams. So you'd imagine there'd be plenty of guys for the list. But I, you know, I, I think I was starting to run dry about 30, Triple 30 in. PCL and the yeah. IL always are a little tougher because... Yeah. They, start, they start to separate there. They, they, yep. Well, you get... Uh, a lot of those guys in those leagues, uh, their, their last prospect status was 2008, yeah. 2009, 2002. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, Russell Brandon gets a few more at-bats. He's in that. <laughs> I mean, Russell Brandon, Russell Brandon was batting cleanup for them in the playoffs. Yep. I covered Russell Brandon in 1995. <laughs> now, we, we, was, we joked about them calling him up, which you can, can you imagine? You'd have Russell Brandon and Jason Giambi in the same lineup oh. in 2014. Right. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would, that be, would be awesome. That's almost worth calling him up. Get for that Cecil reason. Fielder out of retirement. Uh, make, I don't know, uh, Jack McKeon manage him. It'll be hilarious. But back to Bryant for a minute. Right. And the other thing that jumps out, I mean, this is going to be the story, you're already seeing it now, but it's going to be even more of a story as we roll into 2015, is this Cubs club, which is way more interesting to watch right now at the big league level than it was when the season began. Right. When the season began, it wasn't very interesting to watch. No. And I was with Jeff Samarja. Right. But nowadays, and especially if you look at this club in 2015, we uh, it's fascinating and it's also fascinating to read like we announced Chris Bryant today and you get tweets from you know some of them I'm sure are people really trolling Cubs fans but some Cubs fans are like great so now we'll trade them in 2016 or oh great another Kevin Ory you know which is a nice I mean that's a nice callback throwback wow you know I was expecting like oh yeah Tuffy Rhodes hit three homers on opening day 1994 yeah you know those kind of things but um against the Mets yeah I you know I remember that game well yeah was that off Gooden it was off Gooden I think so yeah but you know and they went on fastball to the ear at some point but uh but this is a truly fascinating organization as far as, I, I, I'll throw it open to both you guys. How far away do you guys think they are? I'll start with you, Bench. Well, you know, they, they're, if, you, if you listen to the rumors already that they're going to go heavy after pitching, John Lester being you know, one of the guys that just seems like a, a perfect fit there, uh, they could be very close. And the, the, but the thing is, they lack the depth of a lot of, of contending teams. They, they, even if they sign Lester, let's say the perfect world mm-hmm. is they sign John Lester and, and one of their other minor league pitchers makes a big jump, they're still, they're still, their rotation is really light in that division. So they, have some interesting, they will have some interesting position players, guys they can move around especially, which is, is, is really great for them. I mean, they have Alcantara can play center field or he can play second base. Bias can play second base, or Bias can play left field or right field. Or short. Or short. Addison uh, Russell can play shortstop. Right. Chris Bryant, 
uh, could play third or he could play right field. Uh, had if, one uh, scout. if Anthony Rizzo went down, he could also play first. Or he could play first. I, one scout told me that, that Bryant is an, is an average third baseman right now, but an above average right fielder because he has a 70 arm. So even could, though he's not playing out there, right? Yet. Even though he hasn't played out there at all, he, he can, Although and, he did in college, so they have gotten right. to see it. He actually played some center in college. But he profile. The, the thing is, his bat profiles any place. Mm-hmm. So so they'll have a lot of options. It just matter. It, it it's just about who can they leverage in a deal at this point to me, to clear up some of that stockpile at short, and who can they get back because they're going to need a deeper pitching staff to contend. I mean, honestly, what I thought they were going to do at the trade deadline, I thought they were going, they had acquired Addison Russell. I thought they were going to flip some guys and get David Price, quite frankly, just to be complete sneaky sneakersons, I guess. Um, I think they've got a lot of prospects, quite obviously. But I think the thing about that is you're going to be about 10 prospects you can list. They're not all going to make it. So I think it's, I think it was a little farther off than. Uh, Cubs fans. Well, I don't know about Cubs fans. Uh, They're pretty pessimistic. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's right in line with their thoughts, but they also don't have terribly many pitching prospects among them. They've got C.J. Edwards. They've got uh, Pierce Johnson. Pierce Johnson. Paul uh, Paul Blackburn is in there. Yeah, and Hendricks. Hendricks, and Hendricks has had a good start to real good. Arietta's you know going yeah, to still well, be no, there. Yeah, well, we want to prospects, but, but right, right. But but yeah, I, my yeah. point is the building the pitching staff. Uh, see, and I'm I'm on more of the I, I follow what you're saying that they're not going to all turn out. But here's the thing to me, okay, I don't think right now that they need to trade prospects for pitchers, and the reason I say that is is that if you look at their lineup, and again, we know, we're going to, let's start with they're not all going to work out, but I wrote it in the chat today, let's say they need to get significant impacts from three to stretch it to four of their core guys, let's say between Addison Russell, Chris Bryant, Jorge Soler, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Starlin Castro. They need three or four of those guys to be impact-type players. You know, if you want to use war, three plus, three war or better players. They need that. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, if we're just talking about position players, then they need, for 2015-16, they need some sort of contribution, useful players, not stars, but useful players, from some combination of Arzmendi Alcantara, Albert Almora, Billy McKinney, Kyle Schwarber, Dan Vogelbach, Dan Vogelbach, Luis Balbuena, Addison Russell. You know, I, I'm sorry, I should put Russell in that first group. Okay. You know, but okay, that's like seven guys that we're talking about that they don't need every one of those. They need a couple of those guys to turn out. With that, if that happens. They know what they're paying the first baseman. That's already locked into the budget. They know what they're paying their shortstop. That's, or their guy who plays shortstop now, wherever he's going to play. Right. That's locked into the budget. And they could obviously trade him too, but that's locked in the budget. Other than that, they have enough depth that besides catcher, which is a question of whether they have a catcher now, everywhere else around the lineup, it should realistically be they have the opportunity to have a guy who's going to be pre arb so you are talking, okay, so you make 500000 and you make 500000 and you make 500000 and you make all the way around. When you have that, what it allows you to do, they got to go out and get a Lester or a guy like that. Right. They realistically, though, they can do that, and then they can go and get 
another guy who you, and they can front load these deals. They can do the opposite of the usual thing is, is where you say, okay, we know that the last two years of this five-year deal are really going to bite us. But to make our salary structure work, we're going to pay him 12 mil the first year and 20 mil the last year when he's not going to be any good. Right. They can do it the other way, where basically you have a natural taper to it, which makes those guys even more valuable in the long run from the standpoint of, you know what, if that guy's making you know, a reasonable salary at the end, they have that option. But they can go out and get, let's say they go out and get two guys. Mm -hmm. And as you said, in-house inventory right now. They have Arietta, who has had a very good year. Yeah. They have... Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson, who's had a terrible year, <laughs> but is under their control, you know, for right. two more, I think. Um, they have Travis Wood, who's had a poor year. Yep. They've had Kyle Hendricks, who's come up and been pretty good. Yeah. You have Tioshi Wada, who's been surprisingly good. Really good, yeah. You know, who's another, again, these are all back-end arms. Right. Then you got a C.J. Edwards, you got a Pierce Johnson, you've got, you know, further down, you got Dwayne Underwood, guys like that, Jen Hosang. Right. You're right. they got to get probably two guys. they got to go get a front-end guy, and then they got to go and get another Jason Hamill or something of the sort. But to me... You spend the money there to do it without giving up the prospects yet. And then what that allows you to do is once you kind of get this, because they're going to have to sort out. 2015 to me for them is the sorted out year. You, As you've said, Josh, and you're right, not all these guys are going to turn out. That's what you spend 15 figuring out. You know what? That guy's not as good as we thought. But the, the, So the thing about that, though, is you risk losing the shine of a player by taking 2015 to figure that out. So if you don't trade, if you don't trade one of those guys this offseason for a young controllable starting pitcher, you may not have that opportunity again. So but they're still going to have another wave. You could trade Glaber Torres. Yeah, that's true. You could trade that's Eloy true. Jimenez. They you don't could trade, have to trade these. Or, or Almora could be that right. guy. Yeah, because he's a little further away. And Right. You've yeah. got guys who are further away, and not all these guys are going to be ready this year. Billy McKinney probably isn't ready in 15. Again, you're not going to be. A, he's probably not going to be the core guy of, of a big deal or anything like that. But he looks pretty good. Yeah. But what I do think it allows you to do though is is that, you know, there's a lot of talk of how are they going to make all these shortstops work and all that. And I, okay, you can't have three shortstops on your big league roster. That's admittedly you can't. You don't want to rotate it around with infield shifts, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but if you said okay. Chris Bryant is primarily going to be a right fielder, left fielder, who plays enough third that it's not like he's forgotten, he's not giving up on the position. Javier Baez is your regular third baseman, you know, and then you say maybe Starlin Castro is your regular second baseman, Addison Russell shortstop, or vice versa. It's not like that this is the problem where you say, okay, there's just no room to fit these guys. Then you've got Soler and Alcantara also in the outfield, Rizzo's your other first baseman. Again, you find out, to me, those are the guys that you find out about in the 2015, and you're right. If you may lose the shine on a couple of those guys, but what it allows you to do then then is is that okay, by the end of next season we're going to know more about Albert Almora than we do now. Right now he's coming off of a pretty poor year, right? But we're gonna if he has a second poor year next year, okay, well the shine's off of him a little bit. But if he has a good year next year, this year gets forgotten. Billy McKinney, is he going to be good enough to fit in that outfield? I, I don't know, but he could be. Kyle Schwarber, is he going to be good enough? Because Or is he going to surprise everyone by being able to catch, even on a semi-regular basis? If Because if he can, that'd be valuable. That would be the bonus of all bonuses. Right. 
I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. you could you could see again they've got a lot of options. I, I did think what Jed Hoyer said when talking to him for the Bryant story that he made a good point was he said the A's have shown us. You look at the A's, you look at the Cardinals. They're, they've shown the value of let's not think of this guy as this is a third baseman, he can't play anywhere else. Let's think of it as this is a guy who can play third, first, right, and left. Or this is a guy, Matt Carpenter, can play second or third. Think of it that way, and when the injuries happen, because they will happen, you're much more covered than you are if you say, well, you know, it would have been great if Addison Russell could play short still, but you know what, we gave up on that as an option two years ago. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, there, there was one scout who mentioned the, the, the defensive versatility of all of those Cubs players when I was talking to him about Iowa. And he said that all these guys, the, the, the great thing about them is that no matter where you put some of these guys, they're going to be plus defenders. Like a guy like Baez, he said it will be exceptional at second base and can still and won't kill you at shortstop. So, I mean, they have that. And, and Alcantara is definitely that, that kind of guy, too, who will play – a terrific second base and is still kind of learning in center field. So they have great positional versatility with guys who can swing the bat. And not only that, but they also one other thing the Cubs have shown I think a pretty good job of and in recent years is is that they've the other little piece you'll fill in is is that they've done a pretty decent job of finding kind of complementary players who've ended up being pretty productive. They got a good year out of Donnie Murphy who then kind of turned back into a pumpkin. Luis Valbuena has been a very useful player for them. He's not a star by any stretch. He's a useful player for them this right. year. They're going to have Bonifacio. Bonifacio, they ended up trading. They're, but one of the things that stands out with a lot of these guys is their role players have been the same thing. They've been the guy who can play a little third, a little second, you know, a little bit, of, you know, in Bonifacio's case, short and center. Right. They've been versatile guys. Now the difference is, is that the guys they got who could possibly do that Oh, yeah, by the way, they're guys who are middle-of-the-order impact-type guys, too. Not bad. It's, it's going to be fascinating to watch them. I, I guess the way I'll put it is, is that if you were asking me to buy stock, what teams I wanted to buy stock in over the next couple of years, not because of what they have the ability to spend money, because you always want to buy stock in the Yankees, because sure. even if the farm system doesn't look all that great, you know, I, you want to buy stock in the Dodger because they've got three great prospects in there. And by the way, you can spend $450 million if need to, it looks like. Right. If you said, though, if I'm putting, I'll start with you, Josh, because we've kind of been going to, you know, uh, a dialogue here without you for a little bit. So if I could pick, if you could pick, I'll put you on the spot, though. Two, a team or two teams that jump out to you as far as you like where they are right now, where they're going to be in two, three years. Who do you like? Well, first of all, this exercise is insider trading, <laughs> quite quite frankly. <laughs> um, second of all, I, we're all going to take the Cubs. I mean, for goodness sakes, we're all going to take the Cubs. So that's There's not a team that – okay. That's, that's one, one. That's one. And then the, the Pirates, I think, is another one because they've got guys upon guys upon guys coming up. I like the Red Sox farm system too. Those guys, they've got money to burn as well. Um, I think those are my obvious ones, Cubs, Pirates, Red Sox. Yeah, I would go with the Red Sox first just because – this year was uh, disaster. It was disaster, but they did. They were so smart in leveraging Lester the way they did. I mean, no matter the backlash, they they ended up getting an asset, real asset in Suspedes, and and a guy they're going to have to spin off anyway because of his contract situation. But they'll but they'll they'll make that work too. And they have so many prospects. You can just see them setting up for a big push for for Giancarlo Stanton. Anyway, I, I like them going forward because they have 
tons of money and they have tons of prospects. Vince is doing an example of buying low. <laughs> so we're going to keep this metaphor going. Yeah, and the Cubs, of course. Have, but no, low. I do think the Red Sox, and I think the Red Sox, you, you hit on the the Red Sox in their situation, they're going to have to be active in the offseason because while they have a very impressive amount of prospect depth and impact guys, potential impact guys, right. but I do think in their case, whereas I say with the Cubs, like I say, okay, here's how the pieces fit together, could fit together like this. The Red Sox pieces don't all fit together if you just say, hey, we're going to bring all these guys up and try to contend. Because the Red Sox, the Cubs have that ability to say 2015 is the year that we hope to go from 70 wins to 85. Right. And that would be a big step forward. The Red Sox can't say, hey, our goal next year is, is 80 to 85. Right. So... They've got this insane all prospect rotation, it looks like, going in the, you know, Pawtucket in the for the playoffs. All all prospect and all left-handed prospect. Yes. Yeah. Well, we don't know who's game five, but we also don't know if there is a game but, five. But you have uh, it's so we're gonna see Edwin, Edwin Escobar, uh, then Brian Johnson, the Eastern League ERA leader, then Henry Owens, the Eastern League number two in ERA, then Eduardo Rodriguez, the beast they took from um, Baltimore. from Baltimore for uh, Andrew Miller who brings it up to 96 miles an hour with a really good changeup and slider, and who throws inside. I mean, so, oh my goodness. And that's after already having promoted to the big leagues. Anthony Renato. Anthony Renato. Alan Matt Webster. Barnes, Matt, Matt Barnes. Barnes. You know, and then Ruby De La Rosa is still kind yeah. of a fringy. At the, he's a big leaguer, but he's not really out, fully outside of prospect status. But I guess what I'm saying is, is you can't go into next year if you're the Red Sox and say, hey, we've got... We're going to have four rookies in our rotation and three more in AAA ready to go if we need them. And they have Mookie. I mean, that's yeah. a good start. Right. They, but, but who, by the way, probably won't have prospect eligibility by the end of the year. No. You know, you got Mookie. But again, you've got the situation with them. Okay. they got to figure out. they got Mookie. they got Rusny Castillo and Jackie, Bradley. and Jackie Bradley, who's the, speaking of the shine is off the prospect right. kind of guy. Right. You've got that. You've got, okay, they've got Xander Bogarts. They got okay. Is Devin Will Middlebrooks anything left? You got Devin Marrero. You got Sean Coyle, who could be a useful utility type guy. Yeah. You've got Christian Vasquez, Vasquez the catcher, and you got Blake Swihart. Yeah. Oh yeah, Christian Vasquez, who's come up and thrown fifty percent of his runners out. My goodness, he's right. hitting like one eleven though. So, oh. but again, so they are a team that does seem to me they have to. But yes, I, I think they're obviously a team you buy stock in. Definitely. You know, I do think you know, the Cubs. I think the Pirates. You hit on them. The Pirates, where they're in great shape, is that. You look at them for 2016, and you say, they still could make the playoffs this year. And I feel like that this has been kind of a, a return. They're like, they had a great year last year, and they kind of fell back a little bit this year. But you do look at next year and say, they should be better. Right. Especially when you think, okay, uh, Jamison Tyone ideally would have been in the rotation midseason this year. You know, hurt, missed the whole year. Hopefully he'll be in the rotation by midseason next year. You know, you, you talk Nick about Kingham. Nick, you know, Kingham. Yeah. You talk about Tyler Glasnow, yeah. who spent the whole year in high A, but shouldn't be that far away from at least you know like being a. a I could see him being a useful arm out of the pen there next September. Go. He's one of those guys who could, if they get into a, a playoff series, he could be David Price and come in and just dominate out of the bullpen and change a game. Right. You've got that. You've got the fact that they already have an outfield set for next year. Josh Bell's going to be getting some first base time. He's not maybe that far away from kind of finally finding the answer there that they've been looking for. And they've got guys we hadn't heard about. I mean, they've got Elias Diaz coming up who 
ran away with the. We Eastern. heard about him before, but he's he better was, now. He was on our depth chart. I mean, yeah, he ran away with the Eastern League Best Defensive Catcher award, and there are other guys who think he's more than Best Defensive Catcher. Uh, and then there's Willie Garcia, who a lot of guys are really, really high on at Double A, who's 21 and has. I think I wrote somewhere that might not be published yet, just a, a, a starter kit you can dream on. He's got the best arm in the Eastern League, I think, pretty much bar none. I think it's 17 assists, and someone said, if that's not an 80 arm, I don't know what is. He's got power. I think he hit 19 home runs. He can run a little bit. I mean, And he's he, just a trade chip. He, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, he's not going to play there. No, probably not. Unless they trade someone who's already, you know. Well, unless, unless it becomes a guy that you think is better than what you've got out there, especially. Right. But... And that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's better than any of those guys myself, but that's just me. But they're, you know, the, the issue with the Pirates is their infield is so unsettled. I mean, they don't they don't have a first baseman. They don't have a third baseman unless they move. But they have a Josh Harrison. Who they do have Josh Harrison. <laughs> they have they have a they have like a, a Swiss Swiss utility knife that right. he's like okay well. A Swiss he's Army playing, MVP candidate. Yeah. He's playing shortstop because we need a shortstop today. And we got a right fielder because we need a right fielder today. He'll pitch tomorrow and he'll manage on Thursday. But no, again, the same thing out. going back to the Cubs. Yeah. Josh Harrison showing the value of that. Like, oh, we we have a need here. He can do that. And then right. tomorrow he can do something else. But he doesn't profile at the corners, which is where they have the issue. I mean, mm-hmm. they have Pedro Alvarez, who they don't know can play if they can he play was, third, or will or he hit. play first, or hit. Right. And they're going to lose Russell Martin most likely. I mean, they may right. extend themselves to keep him, but... That's where Diaz comes in. Yeah. And that's where Reese McGuire long term yeah. comes in. Long term, but that's at least two years off, you would think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. At least. But, okay, I mean, the team we have not brought up that I do think, you know, I, I don't. I feel like the Astros are obviously another team that's in very. is in good shape going forward. Um, right. But the thing that jumps out to me is, is my, my question with them is, is that. Well, the reason I didn't mention them first is. I have very little doubt that the Astros are on the way, I think in 2000, spending any money in free agency to fill some holes. In 2015, this should be a 500 team. You know, I I think full year, hopefully, of a healthy Springer. Chris Carter. Chris Carter, who took a big step forward this year. Might lead the AL in home runs. Giant step forward this year. Um, You know, you hope that Singleton's better. Jonathan Singleton's better next year than he was this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you hope that your pitching staff, you're getting contributions from at least several of these young guys that they've brought up. You're hoping that Colin McHugh is, you know, again, I, Brent Strom, their pitching coach to me, is one of the best pitching coaches out there. Yeah. We've seen the effects of it, Dallas Keuchel and Dallas Colin McHugh this year. Yeah. But let me say this. The, the biggest thing they've got working against them is the Mariners, Angels, and A's. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they fit it, where's the opening? Where's the well, no, no, and don't forget that the Rangers, who fell completely off this oh, yeah. year, had a. The Rangers are normally. I mean, this is the team that's been a World Series contender every year until this year, and this year they just had the. Let's see. Okay, we're going to take your ace starter, your your hundred, your twenty million dollar a year first baseman, your number one prospect in the game, shortstop, second baseman, and oh, I don't know, your entire rest, of your pitching staff, pretty much, and they're all gone. You know, yeah. they'll be back next year. Yeah, it's it's very difficult that way. And my other concern with the the concern I have with the Astros compared to some of these other teams is is that we know with the Pirates, okay, so who's their core guys? Well, it starts with Andrew McCutcheon. It should be Polanco. You know, it you, you kind of know who their kind of core stars are. Right. And a pitching staff. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you know where the core stars are. When you say with the Cubs... John Holtzcombe. <laughs> <laughs> you say with the Cubs, you, you look at it and you say, okay, it's Anthony Rizzo, it's Starlin Castro, it's Chris Bryant, it's Jorge Soler, maybe it's Javier Baez. Even if you're being careful, say maybe it's not. And then it's Addison Russell. I mean, those are the guys you say, okay, they got to get their core production from theirs, right. from those guys. With the Astros... It's Jose Altuve. Right. We forgot about him just a minute ago. Yeah. It's Carlos Correa, who's coming off of, you know, leg injury, but I think is going to be a star. Should be a, you know, is a, got a high chance to be a star. Is it George Springer? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And I'm worried a little bit. I mean, I think he's going to be a very good player. I don't know, though. The strikeouts do still concern me about whether he's going to be an absolute impact player. That's that's the question. Yeah, you know, that's guys, more of a question about Singleton. I think about that because he, he Singleton. Is, I'm not even putting it to yeah. me. Singleton fits in that. When we were talking about the complementary pieces for uh-huh. the Cubs, I put Singleton in that group. Like your hope for Singleton is is that he's a very useful player for you. I, I think you're asking too much of him if you expect him to be kind of a star type guy. Oh yeah, I, but but he he'll have just because the power is such a declining part of the game, he'll have that that value, and he's also a really good defender. At least according true. to scouts. I mean, they're, they're surprised how good his hands are. And so he'll be useful just for that. He'll walk. He'll hit 25 home runs at least. Singleton? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I think, I think he'll be I – I think you can upgrade him a little bit in, in, in how you're thinking about him. I, I do like the strikeouts point with, um, with Springer. I remember bringing it to you at some point this year, about a month and a half into his tenure. I said, you realize George Springer leads the AL in strikeouts, and he didn't come up until whenever. Right, and that's to me, that is – you know, that's a concern. Not that he's not going to be a useful player. I don't think there's any question about that. But my concern is is that the difference between... That's why I didn't bring up Chris Carter as one of their core anchor guys. Because, again, I think you can get too hung up on strikeouts. But if strikeouts basically mean that you don't post an on, a batting average and an on-base percentage, you know, that uh, above average, that that's when it becomes an issue. Chris Bryant had the highest strikeout percentage, strikeout rate, of any Baseball America minor league player of the year we've ever had, mm. but it was 27%, which is if in that range of, you know. You're nearing red flag area. But not, you yeah. know, and there was a whole lot of walks that came with it. Now, if you said, if you were nitpicking Chris Bryant, you could say, you had a 400, a little over 400 batting average on balls in play this year. He hits the ball really hard. He's always probably gonna have a high one, yeah. but that could drop back down. If that dropped back, down a little bit, say he posts a 360, well, then he's a 280 hitter and not a 320 hitter. Okay, I'll take 280 with 40 homers. Right. Sign me up, please, and I'll, I'll be, you know, thrilled. Right. But that's, to me, you know, that would be the interesting thing to see with the Astros, but I think you're also right. They also have the, they're in a division, the Angels will hit a cliff. I mean, the Angels are the best team in that division right now, and the question is, is when does the cliff arrive? Their farm system it, everything that was not bolted to the floor in their farm system <laughs> was traded away this year, understandably. And I think they did a great job by doing that in that they didn't have anything worth that you say, well, we can't let this guy go. They fixed a bullpen that was terrible into a strength. Right. They really have turned themselves. I mean, they're the team that made the trades at the deadline and before the deadline that turned them into a the difference between being a potential wild card team and being a division champ, which is a dramatic difference. Right. But you do look at them and say, 
2017, it's very hard to map out how they could be good with the new rules. Absolutely. Because they can either then spend in free agency to try to stay. The only guys in their lineup, position players in their lineup who are under age 30, are Mike Trout, C.J. Crone, and Cole Calhoun. That's it. Oh, you can see a backslide next year. a good start there. Yeah, but you can see a backslide next year, I think, with them. I mean, yeah. it's 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 amazing how good uh, Pujols has been this year compared to last year, for example. So I mean, there I wouldn't if I were if I were looking at the AL West, I wouldn't worry so much about the Angels as I would about right. You know, the Mariners or the and Rays and, and the Rangers. To me, and the Rangers because to me, the Rangers are the team. Like you say, okay, they're going to have to make some moves in the offseason. Well, they're going to have a middle infielder to trade, which right. has always got value. Maybe even two. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, and maybe two. I think they got one. I, I think if they said we're going into next year, if Luis Sardina's starting, I'd be a little worried. Right. But if they said we're trading Profar or we're trading Odor or we're trading Andrus, yeah, they're fine. They they could trade one of those three and say, and Luis Sardinas is our backup plan if one guy goes down. Right. They can do that. On the pitching side, they will get the majority of these guys back. So yeah. okay, that they'll have Holland, they'll have Darvish. I mean, that's a, that's. Pretty good top two right there, and they got you know, and and the again they slew of guys who've been hurt as well. They should get a number of those guys back. And this is a team that they get, you know, we got to see where Prince Fielder, but they should get Prince Fielder back. A healthy chew, you know, you, you've yeah. got all these pieces. But again, the other thing though is is they have, they have guys. Joey Gallo by midpoint of next season should be able to give them a boost if they need it. Right. They've got you know Alfaro. Alfaro, who can help him. I just don't know if he'll be ready defensively next year because those still frightening behind the plate at times. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean as a as a top Mazzara, Nick Williams. Can I can I go back a mm-hmm. minute and buy a different team? Okay. I'm going to buy the Nationals. Oh yeah, and I, I'm going to buy. Should have mentioned them too. I'm going to buy the Nationals really hard and with all the money I have. And I'm going to live in a van for a while, and then when the Nationals mature, I'm going to buy a really big van. But, but the funny thing is, is when you say mature, they're one of the better teams in the NL right now. Right. That's like buying. That's app, a great, buying, you're, you're buying Apple at its very. You're starting to see something. Yeah. You're, you're buying Apple like at its at peak, 15. and then you think it's going to go up. Right, you're buying right. it when you're like, oh, what is this company? But I follow you. Fruit, you know. <laughs> I follow you completely. I mean, we the the prospects they have are stunning. Just just on the Hagerstown club alone, right? We saw we've seen, I've seen Giolito. You've seen Giolito. He's legit. He just needs to stay healthy. We you can you can talk for four oh, hours about Reynaldo Lopez. Yes, we saw Reynaldo Lopez and and JJ I, saw God. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he, he's not Giolito, but he's Giolite. Yeah, I like that. Wow, he, nice. You know, if you're saying that your your second best pitching prospect on a low A team is the guy who throws 95-99 and has allowed one extra base hit in the last 40, no, 51 innings, one. And, and let me sign me up. And another addendum here. This is a testament to good scouting over money. They signed Reynaldo Lopez for $17,000. <laughs> that is Less than a major league player will make this month. Yes, that uh, or a call a call up yes. will make this month. They signed him for that, and they got a guy with ninety six, ninety nine, with two pretty good off speed. You got Michael Taylor. You got to figure out room for Steven Souza, right? Who I misconfused with Stephen Moya earlier. <laughs> you know, you got you, you got you got Wilmer Defoe, who's Defoe. a potentially useful guy. Yep. We're going to talk about Spencer Kaboom, who's on that same team. 
could be a useful, he's coming off of an arm surgery, but a catcher who's pretty interesting. Again, who's a lesser prospect, but they've got a lot of guys, and they don't have a lot of spots to put them in. Right. right. I mean, look at their rotation. Uh, Strasburg, Geo, and, and um, there's more. George Zimmerman. Zimmerman, I'm missing. There's there's more. Tanner Rourke's been Tanner very good. has been really good. Yeah. And Your then you. stocked? No, I agree. Yeah. I, I want some of that stock. Well, I bought it all too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I do think that they are a team. They are a team very much equipped, especially, again, when you look at their, their division. Okay. You look at their division, you say, the Phillies, the Phillies are bad now, and the Phillies are headed towards, you know, yeah. Death Valley depths because the, the, there's not, it's not getting better. The yeah. farm system is. Is, ga- is ghastly to the points of depression. Right. It's, it's J.P. Crawford. It, I it, mean, you got cheesesteak, Philly. Enjoy it. It's pretty much <laughs> but, it. You know, but no, they've got, they've got an old team with yeah. a whole lot of payroll, that, and they keep being surprised that people don't want their old players with a whole lot of payroll for, still to come. For, for studs. Right, right. It reminds me a lot when I think when I see the Phillies now of the '65 Yankees, like that that late '60s <laughs> Yankees when you, you re- everybody could see it happening except them. You know? It's like, oh, there's not. Well, who's the next Mantle? Who's yeah. the next Maris? <laughs> right. Can I pause here to say this is probably the first I remember the '65 Yankees. Well, I, like, I, I didn't say I remember, okay. but let me just say no. But it is like there is a great thing written about in that. Uh, what's the book about the '64 series? Uh, October '64. Oh, I think I have a book. I have a book. Yeah, and they're like you can see like. The breakdown. They were coming, and really, it comes down to, hey, and we're going to sell it to CBS. And yeah. It's going to be run like. Speaking of being run by a corporation, yeah. You look at the Braves in that division, and while the Braves have done a good job of locking up young talent, you know, who should be at the peaks of their careers, their farm system's not very good right now, and right. they've been saddled on a team that does not have the payroll flexibility to be saddled with bad contracts. They've had some of the worst. B.J. Upton's contract, yeah. you know, like, if it wasn't for Dan Ugla, B.J. Upton's <laughs> contract, we'd be talking about, wow, that may be the worst contract out there. Right. Can I also go back and uh, suggest another stock to you guys now that I've bought all the Washington stock? What about the Toronto Blue Jays? Mm, I'm less buying that one than the Nationals. And well, the re- yes, but... The reason I'm saying that is, is that I think they are always going to have a trouble in that division because... It is a even though there's been a lot of drop off in the division this year, you have an Orioles team that has now done it enough years that you have to say they're a power. They're the first they're above ten games up in that division since seventy two? Seventy nine. Seventy nine, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say we are family year. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I do remember I watched that World Series. <laughs> right. You know. Right. I had to I had now my parents would tape it and I had to watch it in the mornings, they wouldn't <laughs> let me stay up. But they didn't yeah. mind if I woke up at four in the morning to watch Wait, it. Wait, you guys didn't have Blu ray in seventy nine? I know, that was amazing. We had a VCR, we were really excited. <laughs> Um, that was rare. I mean, like, the, the tapes at the time were gold. I had to use the same tape. I didn't get to keep the games. I had to use the same tape for every game. I, my, my point being, they've got they've got Aaron Sanchez coming, mm-hmm. who looks like, at the worst, a dominant force out of the bullpen who could mm-hmm. start and be electric. They've got Dan Norris coming up, <clears throat> who's a left-hander who throws 97. Yeah, Stroman, and they've got, great. that's where I was getting. Yeah. they got Stromania, who's making making life easy for us short people everywhere. And <laughs> he made Javier Baez look really bad yesterday. He, I, mean, well, I hate to say it, but... That's happening a lot. John Holscomb made uh, Javier Baez look <laughs> I, really that's, bad. That was one of the worst pitches I've ever seen swung at since Manny Ramirez. Again, Tadeki Arabu swung at a ball. Wow. Had to be three feet out of the strike zone. I think he had somewhere to go. <laughs> See, an Arabu reference you would not have expected. 1965. It's 1997. <laughs> I know, but still. But, um, 
But no, the problem I have with the Blue Jays, though, is, is that in that division, is that I do feel like the Rays, the Rays figure out a way every year. I know that they've dropped off the last couple of years, but they're still a contender. The Red Sox we just talked about, like they're in that same division. And the Red Sox, I feel like the Red Sox farm system is better than the Blue Jays. And oh yeah, by the way, they have on top of that the financial advantage of being able to toss around an extra 50 or 100 mil. You and know, the, the Jays don't have positional uh, prospects that are, are ready to contribute. Because even Dalton Pompey, for a little way away. whatever you think of him, the, 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 the general consensus is he's less bat than he is other parts of his game. Mm-hmm. So I, I have one, one scout say, you know, just unequivocally, he's Devon White. He is Devon White, period. That's what I wrote in my report. And <laughs> well, that, which is interesting because I see him more. I see him more as a, a center fielder who's an a leadoff type. I mean, I think he's again, he fits back into that complement. Generally, you think of him as a very good complementary piece. Right. That's a valuable. That's Definitely. a valuable commodity. But, um, but again, I, my worry with them is is that, and then I don't know. The Yankees are headed. The Yankees, if they were the Phillies, you would say that they were headed towards a massive crash. Right. Because they have. A pretty equal number of unwantable contracts, onerous contracts. <laughs> right. They have almost no young players at the big league level that you say they're going to build around. Dylan right. Batances accepted. No, no, that's not where I was going. Look, Someone on some board the other day made a made a comparison between the Yankees and the Phillies, and it was kind of funny. Albatross first baseman, check. Albatross left-handed pitcher, Cole Hamels is less of an albatross, but he'll get there. He's getting his yeah. wings, check. General manager who's been there since the beginning of time. But the Check. difference is, is there's a difference there, though. Brian Cashman, you know, say what you want, but he's built winners. We don't, Ruben, we can't say that about Ruben tomorrow. Well, yes, he can. I mean, he didn't I guess build that, that was Gillick. He didn't build it. His so. job was to keep the team that was right. already, like, I mean, what were his major acquisitions that were the key parts of them being winners? I mean, Cliff Lee was his. No. Right. Yeah. But Roy Halladay was his. No. Right. But again, those were... and Roy um, Oswalt was his. Okay, I'll give, I, I'll give that one even more, because the others were like, they had financial wherewithal to do them. I get, yeah, I guess I, guess I got in some ways give them credit for this, but he was handed a team where it's like, here's your first baseman, here's your second baseman, here's your shortstop, here's your third baseman. Here, here, you know, it was basically a ready-made, whereas Cashman turned over the first team he had and yeah. won again. Right. Ruben Amaro has not shown that he can turn over the first team he had and win again. Cashman has the same way that, like, again, like you with the Cubs, that's something I do think. You have, an, you have a front office there who's shown they deserve some expectation that they can figure this out because they've done it before. Yeah. If not for 2009, though, Cashman would be under the same kind of yes. heat as but Amaro. He, but but I, 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 arguably, he's under heat. Uh. Oh, no doubt, but but not the same kind of thing. Just because he's kept them in contention, whereas the Phillies, have, you know, are are going to crater. I mean, it's going to. And they have it's, it's arguably cratered. I was going to say they've already the last worse, two years. You know, like I mean, because they have nowhere to go with that team. It's not like they're going to be able to say. I mean, unless unless somebody trades a, bo- a boatload for a Cole Hamels and they start to dig out that way, but you know they're they're stuck. They're, no, I, I do think, but I do think that the Yankees the Yankees are headed. It could be a, a pretty rough stretch by Yankee standards here, right. but again, they have so much money that it, it is fascinating though how the game has changed though in that 
money does not pull you out of it nearly like it did. Right. M- money can function as handcuffs too. I mean, absolutely. They, it's locked you into Mark Teixeira. It's locked you into Alex Rodriguez, which is, I mean, he produces a little bit now. It's locked you into CC Sabathia. It's locked you into Brian McCann. It's locked you into Carlos Beltran. Even it, Prado, even if you like Prado, you you well, agreed to take on twenty two million for the next two seasons. So he, as valuable as a player as he is, I mean, I think you could argue that's a lot of money. Did for... I mention CC Sabathia? <laughs> right. I mean, no, it is true that you all these free agent deals and are, are done in a way that you know that the last few years of them generally are going to be awful. You hope you get a lot of bang for your buck before then. And what we're seeing time and time again. We're two years. The Reds did sign that Joey Votto deal not that long ago. That contract is already a franchise record. Verlander and, and the one contract that they didn't sign, Robinson Cano. I mean, he's gonna. He might make the playoffs. <laughs> right, but again, long term, that's not oh, gonna no. hurt him. No, that's yeah. not gonna hurt. Short term, it's gonna hurt him. Yeah, short short term, it's gonna again, be very painful. But the problem they have is is that we have we are in a CBA system where it's designed to just funnel money into spending it unwisely at the big league level. That is, there's two, you can't spend it in the draft, you can't spend it internationally, those are both limited now. Is well, it, they're limited the with Yankees penalties, although the Yankees yeah. Just, yeah, but, just went Scrooge McDuck on right, the Dominican Republic. But, but, but again, they're, but they effectively are limited. They're now, next year, they're going to be limited. And again, let's, let's, let's bring that full circle to the point about Reynaldo Lopez. They're going to be limited, but if you're smart... Right, you, you can, can still, find a good guy. But what I'm saying though is, is that you are limited. Well, for all the talk about we don't, you know, we don't want a salary cap in baseball, all that. We have a salary cap yeah. in everything but at the big league level. And so what that means is, is that the only way, if you're a big market team, that you can really throw your weight around financially, is two ways. You can sign Cubans who are, you know, Cubans and Japanese players who are veterans, or Koreans, or for, Koreans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. I, Asian or Cubans players, or you can sign on free agents. And the thing with the free agents is, is because there's enough money in the game now, all the good free, all the almost all the good free agents, their first that first year or two of free agency is often often being bought out, which just point, just pushes you over to hey, instead of it that you're signing a 27 year old to a contract, you're signing a 30 year old or a 31 year old, just at that point where you get. That contract looks awful really quickly. <laughs> and you can throw your financial mud around by signing the best talent evaluators and the best coaches. But there's no giant bidding wars going there's on. There's not there. not giant bidding wars, but you can, you can help. It doesn't hurt. Right, but there's... But signing I, somebody away from someone? But we don't see that happening much. I, was saying this is I think like, the Dodgers did that this offseason, did they not? They signed a bunch of guys away from other clubs. I, you know, I, I think there is some of that going on. But I do think, again, that that's even like... if. That's a way that if you were, you could pick any team out there, and if they made that their philosophy, they could go out and get whoever they wanted because the, the amount of money that we're talking about there is so small in the grand scheme of the revenues of these teams. Maybe it's an ancillary part to a yeah. philosophy. It's a re, it doesn't make a good a bad team good, but it makes a good team great. And I do think there's a, there's definitely value to that. But uh, I think I've approached this to you as far as coaching goes. You know. Does Mookie Betts become Mookie Betts in a different organization that doesn't see his future as maybe a center fielder or identify the, the swing flaws that he has and help him tap into his natural athleticism? There are a lot of athletic guys out there. There are a lot of guys out there who are more athletic than Mookie Betts, but they aren't going to become great baseball players. And you know, obviously Mookie's not a great baseball player yet, but 
he certainly looks like he has the chance. And that's one thing that John Manuel is always talking about is, is that what happens to, to players, just because we're talking about the Yankees, we can talk about the Yankees in this mm-hmm. instance, where what happens to them, why don't they develop in that system? And that's part of the problem, he thinks, with why guys, why the Yankees don't have a better farm system, is they don't develop players. They get worse when they get to the Yankees, and that's, that's a key issue. Why aren't guys getting better? Why aren't they getting coached better in the system? Why aren't they becoming and better players? That's an, I mean, it's a, that's almost like a whole separate podcast. Right. I mean, uh, we'll talk about take, take it away from them. What happened, what was the difference when Eduardo Rodriguez, a 20-year-old left-hander we talked about earlier, went from Baltimore, where he looked like an ordinary 20, 20-year-old left-hander in the Eastern League with good stuff and potential, to Cy Young with the Portland Sea Dogs, where he's at a .87 ERA and is already looking amazing. Did Bob Kipper at Portland just say, hey, you know, you might want to raise this or stride a little bit farther? Boom. And you've got, you've got a, a different guy. Is there, is there a scout out there who saw him with Bowie and identified him as a trade chip and said, you know, we can fix this. And we can make this a really good piece. You know, I don't think Baltimore or whoever in this case, this is just a, a placeholder for the metaphor. I don't think they know what they have. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Escobar in that case, yeah, too, because yeah. for all what the Giants said about him being a strike thrower and, and that kind of thing... Um, and they have the ninja. They have Dick Tidra. Right. Um, there, there was... I, I did talk to somebody about him after the trade, and he said, uh, no, uh, Escobar was not a zone pounder. He was a guy who pitched away from contact because he knew he didn't have the fastball that he had had previously, and so... It'll be interesting to see what the what the Red Sox do with him now that they have, because he's still really young. I mean, I guess you can watch tonight, right? On TV. right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with him and him and uh, Heath Henry for that matter. So. Yeah, we're excited. We got the Durham Bulls as they normally are in the Governor's Cup Finals. I, I do say as they normally are. <laughs> I, Charlie Montoya and the Rays deserve Montoyo. a ton of credit. Montoyo. Montoyo. Sorry, did I say I thought I said Montoyo. No, did I say Montoya. Yeah, oh, I, did. I apologize, Montoyo. Um, uh, but you know. They, they deserve a ton of credit for what they've done. Uh, a, Charlie is there. It doesn't matter what the team is. It seems like when you turn around at the end of the year, they're there. Uh, we could actually see a repeat of last year because the Omaha Storm Chasers are also in the PCL finals. So And the uh, AAA championship game this year is just two and a half hours away in Charlotte. Charlotte. That's beautiful, road trip, road beautiful trip. Beautiful BB&T ballpark. Yeah. You ain't kidding. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a 4A ballpark. So we're going to wrap this up. We've gone an hour here. That was a fun podcast. That that was, was fun. We, we, we digress as we often do, but that, they're fun digressions. I think there's, we have to go back with a stopwatch, which I think we have a few of around here, uh, just to see how long that J.J. monologue was on the Cubs. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that, might have, that might have been a record. But, uh, <laughs> that was but, a good one. It was quality. But yeah, it was like, excellent. I can go to the sandwich here. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a bus coming? Apologize for hogging the podcast. No, no. But, uh, it was great. But, uh, but thanks, thanks, Vince. Thanks, Josh. Thank for, you. for them, I'm J.J. Uh, thank you for the download, and we'll be back again next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.